Today we're going to talk about three tips that you can implement on your church's website that will help you be more effective and reach more people through your church's website. Are you ready? Because it's time. Holy nuclear time bombs! Holy overeating! Holy roller coasters! It's time! It's time! It's time for the Lion Sidekick Podcast! Hello, heroes. I'm Tom Pounder, and this is the YM Sidekick Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about ministry tips and tools and ideas to help us be more effectively in this very digital and online world. And today I'm excited because I've got my friend Jeremy Zock back. Jeremy is a friend of mine that I've known for many years, and we go back a ways, ways, uh, and we talk about this in the interview, but we go back a really long time to when we were first uh, started blogging, and we were both youth ministers, um, and he was living out in California, and I was still living in my area, but we've known each other for a long time, and he's actually been on the uh, the podcast before um, and talk about different things uh, about student ministry, but today we're going to talk about website stuff, and he's going to give us three tips about how we can optimize our website a little bit better so that we can reach more people and really get the information out that we need to have to people who are really looking to discover more about our church and our ministries. So I'm really excited to have Jeremy back on. He's going to share three tips and a little bit more. So without any further ado, let's get an interview right now. All right. With me right now is my friend, Jeremy Zog. Jeremy. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing a okay. You're smiling at me because I probably mispronounced your last name, and you're like, "What? This guy has been friends with me for so long, and he still can't get my last name right." You know, Tom. Yeah, this has been an issue since uh, the first day I lined up in kindergarten by my last name to go get lunch, and uh, Mr. Long said it wrong too, and I knew. this was just going to be my life trajectory and I've just embraced it. So it's okay. It's, it's actually my great grandma's grandpa's fault. Cause it was actually probably like some weird Chuck, Chuck last name. But when they came over, I think they just chopped last name in half, but kept the pronunciation. So <laughs> blame, blame Ellis. No, what's, what's that Island? Ellis Island. Yeah. Ellis Island. Blame that person. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. I'll, I'll blame them. Do your kids, do your kids have problems with their last name? Like, do, yeah, they're already complaining. Like my youngest is in kindergarten and the other one's in second. They're like, dad, why are we always last in line? And no one knows how to pronounce our name. I'm like, yeah. Oh man. Well, this is awesome. Um, I don't think we've talked about your last name much before, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Jeremy and I are good friends. Uh, we're friends. Um, they're not just people that we've met online and stayed online, but we've actually been in person numerous times. And uh, I consider Jeremy one of my good friends. Um, and so here's the deal. I want Again, so you haven't been on my podcast for a really long time. And the last time you were on my podcast, you're working for this group called Orange. I, I think that's their name, Orange. And yeah. Um, but we have a history even before your time with Orange. So talk to me about this a little bit. Uh, tell me, tell people who you are, where you're at, and uh, what do you currently do, and maybe even how did you get there? Well, uh, this could so be a I whole podcast you, within itself. Yeah, but I'll, I'll keep it short because we, we need to get, we can get to more of the practicality, which I think, you know, is probably the most helpful. 
but I think it is too contextual too. So I think you and I like connected online back in 2007, eight, like there was a CMS platform con content management system called WordPress. I think I built the blog. I was working in a small church. And so I think I like, had a blog called like small town youth pastor or something like that. And I just started screwing around with WordPress and web design. And I really liked it. I had a lot of friends that were in web design. So I think, and then you and I like connected and I think we got your, your site up and kind of, you know, introduced you and you kind of like took it and ran with it and started rocking it. And so you were, made... you were the one who got me set up in a blogging stuff oh, it's because cool. of you, man. Like well, I reached out to you and you got me going. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I had a lot of friends in it and like, they really kind of coached me and helped me. And I was like reading and uh, just learning a lot about it. I found a lot of love into it. And then I, then I transitioned over that nonprofit orange and, you know, it's a, it's a curriculum company. So you're selling events and curriculum. And so I was working a lot with the digital marketing team. I even fell in love with that because then it was like development design on web, but then also how does, how do you make it um, attractive? How do, how do you get visitors? How do you um, get leads? You know, all these great questions in digital marketing. And so um, I then kind of transitioned back into the church, some another small church and just kind of, kind of was doing both this freelance web design and development. I got certified in front end web development and digital marketing. Um, and I literally just like four or five months ago, I just transitioned to kind of like doing it now for companies and, and marketing. So um, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So I completely kind of uh, shifted lanes to doing this now um, full time for, for my job you know and so going from ministry to then like it has been a little bit of a switch for me but i really love it because it's always challenging and problem solving yeah dude well again you started out when i first met you you were a youth minister all the way out in california who also i thought was cool because you had a blog and then you helped me get my blog started yeah. up and then we just kind of kept our friendship going on online for a while and then we actually got to meet at, I think it was an orange tour that we actually got to meet in person. Yeah. Um, you guys came up here to Northern Virginia for Great. an orange tour. We hung out a little bit. And then when I came down for an orange conference, uh, you, my friend, Corey, well, actually you're friends with Corey too. <laughs> I don't know if you want to call yourself a friend with yeah, Corey. I think he's mad at me and he then revo revoked our friend Facebook friendship. So <laughs> our friendship now is pending. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome uh, tracking through uh, life with you. And I'm really fascinated with you because you've, uh, you've gone from ministry uh, and now you're doing marketplace stuff and you're working with web. And I'm excited about that. What's, the, what's been one of the biggest changes in, in your, your, your life as you've gone from working at a company like Orange, ministries focused, to where you're working with web stuff? You know, I think, I don't know, everyone's kind of got their value set. I just turned 40. You know, I got some gray hairs popping, you know, doing youth ministry, you know, straight out of college, you know, that, that was a 17 year sprint run, you know? So like, we were kind of joking. I think the other, the other time we were talking to him, like just how much skill set you need and how much you kind of build that over the years, yeah. you know, and it's not like, you know, um, I, I think you kind of plateau with your skill set in youth ministry and, 
unless you're going to go change. And so I think I was just always kind of hungering to keep learning. And, and because working with uh, the digital age of youth ministry, like I think it was just kind of built in me and really technology just always fascinated me. So that was kind of like, you know what, if, if I'm going to make this switch, what I, I did a bunch of research, like where, where are the top industries to go to in the next 10 years? Um, you know, and so obviously the medical field, the health, um, teachers, and then IT was a, a big one. And they were projecting about a 20% growth over the next 10 years. So that's where I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go there. Uh, cause it's always changing. I love to learn. I love challenges and, uh, I don't have to deal with kids going through puberty anymore. <laughs> and, you know, now I can volunteer and just be that super volunteer and just, uh, just be so relational. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Well, that, that's cool that you're still staying in it with uh, youth ministry. I envision myself again, especially as my kids are still in middle school and high school that, I would still, when I get out of doing student ministry and go really into digital only, um, that I would still volunteer. And I like that, the relational component, not worry about the, the back end stuff right. and all the details, but just be all relational with kids. Right, yeah. So, all right, so let's talk about, now that we got the introductions away, you know, again, right. get that out of the, out of the way. Let, let's start talking about web stuff and everything like that. You know, I asked you to come on because you, you have a long history with web and web development. Um, as we already highlighted, you were doing your own stuff for a really long time. And I still use WordPress, by the way. I love WordPress. Um, but as you're working with web stuff and everything, and then we're talking in the, in the context of ministry, what, what are some tips that you would have for, for churches or for ministries as they're, they're investing in web especially with all the growth potential there. Yeah. So like tips, like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah, <just> some suggestions. <laughs> Everybody, you can't see this, but Jerry did have a sheet. He had a list of sheets. Well, you, you just jumped right in, man. I'm like, I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> well, what did you want to talk about? Talk about, about yeah. HTML figure tags. Um, no. Um, sorry, I was just a, my brain. I was just being like, I had to like really make a quick shift there in my head. So my apologies there. Uh, no, I think, um, you know, obviously, yeah, with COVID, I think the church had to really w look inward on, on that sense, kind of like the digital and the physical um, kind of intersecting. Um, and I think it exposed a lot of churches to how, it, how, how their digital presence or their footprint um, was doing because uh, we were all locked up. And so we couldn't, we couldn't do that physical thing. Um, so I think it, I obviously, you know, Tom, you're, you're, you have so much experience in this. So, you know, and I know a lot of dudes. So I, I kind of assume a couple of things coming in this conversation. Yeah. One, like you believe in the digital strategy. Of, of a website and a website's just not so much informational but it, it is a marketing tool and i know like saying marketing and sales and all that like you know some people get really kind of hesitant about that but I, that's what it is we're trying to craft a message to drive action and to take it you know so i was i was um i've looked at a lot i've worked with a lot of different like um I, you know obviously church websites uh, landscapers, IT companies, lawyers, 
developers, therapists. So I've seen a lot of these in a lot of different industries and, and a lot of the things are kind of the same um, when, when looking at a website. But I think the, the, the big things of, of when you're wanting to go see how your website is performing, you need to then step back, look at the demographics. So I think church websites are the front door, right? I think I saw like, uh, you know, someone's going to look at your church website like 15 times before they even step into your church building. Right. Um, and then what is your church website target audience? So for me, the way I see that it's a visitor, someone new, like, so it can't have a lot of churchy language, but then also for the member, how you keep getting involved and participating. So those are the two directions that I see the functionality of a website. So I think the first, the first thing, the tip is how's your page load speed? And there's a lot of tools out there. If you're connected to Google Analytics, that's built in already. You just Google uh, page load speed. You put in um, your website, kind of your most popular web pages. See how that's performing. Uh, research shows that if it does not load it by three seconds, people are gone already. So by three seconds? Three seconds, yeah. It, that's just how quick. It's just like, go. Because if in the online world, Tom, it's like one, two three and it boom it's not and it's like ah, i'm done so fast i've seen one one to two seconds you need that stuff hitting really quick what slows down page set speeds is um is images so which is also you need a lot of images the big beautiful images of people <laughs> um not stock you can right but not very churchy kind of image but look at how your images are um, how are they loading? Because they will give you that report. And so there's, well, that's the first big hiccup is, yes, we all have page speed issues, but looking at how big your images are. And you may need to go back and, and resize some of those. Yeah. You know, I've heard somewhere between uh, 600 kilobytes to about 900 kilobytes for an image, you know, based off of, uh, of, what, of what your site w wants to do. The second thing is a CTA. That's what so we call it development world when we're naming the label it's call to action yeah so you you need you need a call to action research shows if you're using that funnel method which it's like the hook information you know the ethos and then drive your ask so i will always suggest on that hero page which is the top page um you have need to have at least two calls to action so I don't know what it is, but you need to define what those two actions are um, and, and make that very clear and very specific. So it's boom, right away and have those two clicks. So you're immediately inviting your visitor into, into something. And the third tip is responsiveness. And what I mean by that is how does, your, how does the website look on mobile? So if you haven't updated your website probably for the last five years, you're gonna have probably a lot of mobile problems. Yeah. Uh, because right now it's like at least um, at least, you know, uh, the research is showing, at least in some of the industry I was doing about 89 percent of the traffic that we were seeing was happening from iPad below. Um, so it's it's specifically on mobile. And I think it's probably true. I don't have the research to show that for church. But just think about it like, you know, I, I'm in the south. So when I drive, you know. Well, when I was used to be driving home from work to I'm working remote, like I would pass 10 churches and they're always their website. And I would always kind of think, I'm like, I wonder how their websites look. So I think you kind of have to think about that visitor um, and, and going into to that. Um, just 
I don't know. I'm going to stop right there, Tom. What, what kind of questions? So, I, you know, so page load speed, CTA, very clear CTA, call to action button, um, and then responsiveness on the mobile side. Yeah. Um, okay. So good. I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to ask some follow-up questions because I was going to interrupt you and ask follow-up questions. Sure. Anyways. But um, okay. So let's go back to the stock photo stuff Yeah. and the, the importance of uh, real videos, because I, I've said this before in, in different contexts, but people want to see real people doing real things. The problem is um, we take a lot of stock photo of what, what's happening and we, we put it on our websites. What's the issue? Why shouldn't we do that? Let's just, I mean, you and I both know we shouldn't, but for someone who's listening and still using stock photos, why is it so important not to use that and to use real foot, uh, photos? And would you encourage people to use video instead of photos as well? Yeah, um, I, I think again, like at least, you know, I adopt kind of more of the marketing of narrative in the story, right? And so- I think if the thing of the problem that we've seen with stock imagery is that you've got to really work hard to match, to match your church context. So, you know, like it's kind of in some ways misleading. Um, and, and if you're having all these huge images of people or of different objects or items and someone comes like kind of going to our point now, someone visits your website and it's, there, it's like, wow, this is really cool and really cool images. And, and they come to your church and it's nothing like that. It's, it's a little bit misleading. Um, so I think you have to, I think it, it is an art there, right? Like um, that's why, but I think, you know, if you're getting started in stock photo photography that, you know, like that's really good. But, um, but uh, and I, I think kind of segue into your second point of that question was I, I think probably one of the best of that investments is hiring a videographer and a photographer to come do your events. Um, you know, there's so many great freelance websites, um, you know, thumbnail.com and there's just going whatever, you know, however you find it, but there's so many great videographers, photographers, and just capture all that and just start printing those pictures out and putting them at your church and then on your website. And then going into the video, I think, yeah, a video, as long as you compress it and you got the skills or have someone else to really can do that. But I think that's a, that's a really strong thing and choose a channel of a YouTube channel or just, if you just want it more of a hidden thing for Vimeo, whatever. But I think again, having someone with, with some video editorial skills and, and posting that, um, I think, I think is completely appropriate. And so I think again, to your thing, the more real, the, the, the better. Yeah. Well, and someone, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, while it may be ideal to have a, um, a digital camera that's really a high-end digital camera, you can just take videos on your phones, right? I mean, that, that works too, right? Pictures and videos? Yeah, especially, yeah, especially with technology today, right? Um, or like, you know, giving a student or somebody else. I always ran into the problem where I would always forget, you know? <laughs> Dang it, you know? Or else I would be like too busy on the costume test contest, you know, at Halloween or something, I would forget, but I, I was, I was fortunate enough where I had good volunteer base that they always, they always took great pictures too. Well, and I think that's really important that, that you just said that because we just actually had a, a youth event at my church uh, yesterday and um, I've tapped two of my volunteers who are really good at Instagram. And I said, guys, and I've tapped them for well over a year. They've been doing this for over a year. 
But it, it's so funny. Um, I tap them to, to post things on Instagram on our stories and on our page so that we can get the content out because I'm just not Instagram good. I'm not good at that. And so they both, uh, it was funny yesterday as things were happening and I was taking different pictures. I'm like, guys, can you just take this and put it on the, the Instagram page? And they're like, Tom, we've already been doing it. We've been doing it all throughout the, the event. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I mean, because it's so helpful to have someone and there are, especially young people who are really good at things like Instagram or taking pictures and pictures that people want to see now. And I think that's really important that if you're not able to do the pictures or the videos that you tap someone who can take the pictures and videos and get that to you. So, um, well, let's talk about load speed real quick, because you made a good point. If you put a picture in there, it could really slow you down and slow your website, especially what you said about the compression on the video. Let's talk about that for a little bit. What does that do? Like, how can you shrink it or how can you make it the right size? Is there a, a good number for, for that? Yeah. So um, if I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to get too technical on this side, but like if so if you pull up your website right now, if like someone gave me their website right now, you can on, if you go on Google Chrome, and then there's this tool called inspect. So you hit control, like I'm just doing it right now, just so like you hit control and then you hit inspect. And so that basically goes and inspects the website and you just hover over an image and it will tell you how big it is. So I could go onto any website, I could figure out how big it is. So if it's not, uh, and, you know, if it's not between, you know, 600 KB to 900 KB, it's probably gonna be, slowing it a little bit down um and so you can just go to just an easy photo editor you know they're they're free or pre preview on mac or windows i'm not sure what it is but if you even google like free photoshopping you're, there's tons of great sites that you can do that to just go click on image size and then reduce it while keeping the resolution so that resolution of either 72 or 300 um and then so then you go onto your site you delete that image and then you put it back in. Um, and typically, you know, again, I, I'm a huge fan of WordPress. You know, I know there's Wix. I know there's custom built sites, but I think WordPress, especially for church is so great because not only you need to name that image based off your SEO. So I, I always suggest pick the city, three cities that you're aiming to hit, put church in there on your alt tag and file name. And that immediately gives you double SEO. Uh, so you have your page. And then you have your um, your images. So the Google is is reading both of those. So not only do you, it's a great opportunity to resize those photos, but it's also a great opportunity to name those photos based off of SEO, which is search engine optimizer, um, which I also add to. Also have a Google business page. That Google, you got to feed the Google algorithm yeah. gods and they love having those. So keep updating those with your pictures and your site simultaneously, you know, I think I've read about try to do that at least twice a week because um, Google really likes to, to honor that, which then means you're going to have better performance. Dude, that's great. That's, that's great information uh, about, especially about the all that you put in there um, and how you can increase your SEO. Because again, like you just said, SEO is so important and Google, it's so important for Google. And if you want to get discovered, you got to play by their rules and you got to work with them a little bit uh, to make that happen. Uh, so that's awesome. Okay. Let's go to, uh, call to action. 
Um, again, I think when people hear call to action, sometimes I think they feel like that is a marketing term, but let, let's just be honest. You're, whether you're whether you're a preacher or somebody else, you're always you have to have a call to action in everything that you do. You have to call them to, to take action, and your web page is the perfect opportunity for you to call them to action. Now, you, I, I think you said your hero page, Did you? your hero image page. That's the top top. So, like websites are built in blocks. Okay. So it's the top block of every website. In fact. You know, I'll, I'll just list out a few websites that I see do this really well. Obviously, Village Church, uh, Chandler's Church, like they're they're amazing at this. Like they they've got great imagery. It's uh, Church of the Good Shepherd, so it's uh, cgshepherd.org and then sonshipbayridge.com. Those are some gr- really great churches that that really have a good invitation. Um, if you will, on what what they do. And that, you know, that could be sermons, that could be like fill out a connection card, that can be watch, you know, come to this new event, um, you know, read our mission, read our hear about us. I don't know, like that's, that's where the creative work has to happen. But um, it's, it's, it's essential to make it very clear and concise um, on on what it it is. And, And here's what I think, here's what I think, definitely, these are the must haves, on a church website is you definitely need location, church, church times, directions, that type of information, that contact, past sermons, a donation button, and large, beautiful photos. Those are, those are, I think, the biggest pieces that I think are just standard. And then everything else can really be on the creative team and trying to figure out what, what those are. So, yeah, that's awesome. This is that's great insight. I never even heard of that thing called hero, the hero and stuff. So that's really kind of cool. And again, I like it because it's right up front and it's yep. something that they can easily click because as they kind of scan through your um, your uh, your website, um, they can easily just take a look at that and go back up to the top. And the thing is too, it's the first thing that shows up on mobile. So, and that's where the data is showing. So it's like, if you have, if you have a really slick hero page, which, yeah. you know, sometimes I like videos in hero pages too. Those are cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, that's just a, just kind of a, a kind of a standard and when development. Yeah. Well, let's talk about real quick about mobile op- optimization because, um, well, just for anybody who's still their websites aren't mobile optimized. What tell people what it looks like when again you said it's so important because everyone's using their mobile device or their iPad, but how does that impress people if it's mobile optimized as opposed to it, whether it's not optimized for mobile well I, I think it's very frustrating when when you are on your mobile and you're trying to visit a church site that just is broke and like half half the text and image or the buttons or whatever you're trying to accomplish is like broken half right and so a really easy way to tell is like if you're on your laptop go to your website and then in that the browser window you know kind of go to the edge and then smush it all the way in. And it should, you should see how everyone sees it on mobile. Um, there's also like an, a website too, it's called responsibly.com. You can just throw in your URL and it'll show you all screen sizes, the most popular screen sizes. So um, yeah, that's, that's really important. Um, now, if you don't have mobile, like that's probably a problem and that's probably gonna be a time for redesign, which, because I think that 
to you know and i think that's probably why most churches don't want to do it they don't probably don't see the value of of having a mobile friendly website which you know the marketplace that's huge right like they want to drive action and you, you kind of so it, you kind of have to start with that value and then go go into development to to kind of help your site become more responsive friendly yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head too when you just said when someone pulls up and your website is not mobile responsive and you're looking at it on your phone it's frustrating yeah, and, it's, and if you're frustrating someone who's looking for a church they might think okay, this is too annoying. I'm going to go and visit another church and take a look at something else. So you lose the possibility of getting someone to come try out your church. Uh, and again, because I like what you said, they'll look at your website 15 times before they come to your, um, to your in-person service. So I think that's really important uh, for you to do. Uh, would you recommend putting your, uh, actually putting your live stream on your main website or would you rather have it a separate part of a like a kind of another part like just a hey click here for live stream or would you rather have it like on a sunday morning front and center so people just kind of look at it from there i don't know tom you have to tell me on that <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure the data on that you know i think <laughs> you know, i think it's both in i think um i you know i think it, from the technological side you probably do need some api running in to to do that live stream or you know or you can connect it to whatever platform you're wanting to use you know youtube or vimeo or whatever um so that, i think that does again that's a little probably a little if you do want to live stream that's probably going to cost a little bit of production dollars yeah. uh, to hook that in um but i think it's just as effective to um on you know the here's the here's the sermon from this morning or whatever so i i think ideally it's both but uh but i think for sure just having an archive of past sermons is huge yeah, no, I, I would I would agree with you. What would you say? Yeah, you, I, you I, live streams, right? Like, well, we we yeah. live stream, but when you like, sometimes we've seen um, that when when you go to a church website Monday through Saturday, it's just the website, and then on Sunday it kind of flips over to something different, and it's just their their live stream. We don't do that at my church. We just have a button that says watch live here. That's cool. um, yeah. But, and it kind of acts as a pop-up on Sunday, but, um, but they don't have to watch it. They can visit other parts of our church uh, website. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Cool. Um, all right. Well, th this was great. Do you, any other tips that you would want to share based on your knowledge and your expertise in this web development world that you are in? Hmm. <laughs> You know, I think uh, I, I'm all about measurement management. So what I mean by that is try to find a way that you're tracking how many people are coming, where they're looking on your website. Um, so, you know, there's so many great tools out there. Uh, you know, I would start with just Google Analytics and, you know, there's there's some great agencies too that can help on this and, and define like your key search terms that you want to do, making sure that those are all sprinkled in, peppered into your site. But I think kind of just managing and measuring and just keep improving. Like no one, there's this is a this is an art, you know, and it takes it takes at least three to four months for a site to really start to optimize and not only the search engine, but uh, just from all the interlinks and and all the uploads and everything like that. So um, it's a you know you got to treat it kindly. So I think that would be my my biggest thing is is either getting a volunteer team or or you can lead a team to like help kind of just uh, keep 
QAing, quality assurance yeah. <laughs> on your website, either monthly or quarterly. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I like what you're saying here too. It, it takes an investment too, not just a financial investment, but a man hours investment. You know, I think a lot of times people will say, we're investing all this time and money into starting our website. It should just start yielding results immediately. And like what you just said, it takes time. And it takes time to get it to get it started and get it optimized correctly. But then you have to invest time throughout the week to making sure everything is optimized the way it needs to be. So it's not just something that you can say, okay, we got a website, we're good to go now. You have to continue to invest in it and can kind of nurture it as well. So yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, Tom, thanks for uh inviting me on my friend wait you can't wrap this up i'm supposed to be the one who's like wraps this i thought you were already doing sorry dude i was like i gotta say well jeremy this was great talking to you and then you're like it's like you've done a podcast before oh wait you have done podcasts before (laughs) okay jeremy i I didn't mean to rush you gosh i mean you're just like trying to get rid of me no just kidding um (laughs) (laughs) um hey well listen as uh as we're wrapping up though how can people connect with you what's what's the best opportunity like if they've had a question a follow-up question they'd love to talk to you about what what way can go to my um just i have my my name jeremyzack.com it's uh you can see a lot of my profile you can see my work and then it has all my all my contact information okay great and your favorite social network is you know, man, I, I don't know. I, I like to analyze them all. I, I, I've really been, now I'm kind of like on that corporate side, I've really been so intrigued by LinkedIn. Oh, man, um, you've gone that way? You've gone, you've gone there? I know, dude, I know. I tried TikTok. I'm just horrible at it. <laughs> uh, and then, and then uh, you know, obviously Instagram. I, I have really moved away from Twitter. I just haven't updated Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you, you used to be on, man. You used to be on, and now you know you're. you're... I just I'm old now, and <laughs> my back aches, and <laughs> I'm in bed by eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, listen, uh, this has been great. I'm gonna have all your links in the show notes so that people can do it. And if they're wondering how to spell your last name and all that stuff, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put all the links on the show notes. So click on his stuff. It's great. You know, Hear me. Just don't don't bother me. Bother Tom. Just send all your questions to Tom. No, send them to Jeremy. He needs he needs friends right now. So yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> so all right, Jeremy. Thanks, um, man, for being on. All right. Thanks, Tom. All right. So there you have it. My conversation with Jeremy. We are two very awkward middle-aged guys, but he's actually younger than I am, and that's that's rather interesting. But the reality is that interview that I just had is, you know, typifies our conversations. We're just awkward. We're, we're, we're with each other and we like to laugh. Uh, and so I hope that uh, you got something out of that. Again, Jeremy shared some great tips, uh, three plus tips um, about uh, website stuff and how you can implement some of those things into your website to help you reach more people and help it really be optimized for people to really discover and learn more about your church. So I was curious what stood out to you? What what tip or what idea um, stood out to you? Or what is something that we didn't mention that maybe you're like, hey, Tom, we've got you've got to do this on your website. 
I would love to hear that. Uh, you can email me at tom at ymsidekick.com or you can hit me up on Twitter. Hitting me up on Twitter is my preference, so go to at TA Pounder. I would love to talk to you a little bit more about that and what you think is best for your website and your church's website. Uh, so that would be awesome. All right, heroes, well, that wraps it up for another episode of the YM Sidekick podcast. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to it, or you can go to ymsidekick.com. There I've got all the information, all the, like the eBooks, the blog, the podcast, some vlogs. I've got information about the Digital Bootcamp Facebook group. All that stuff is at uh, ymsidekick.com. So go exploring there and see what stands out to you there. And if you got questions, as always, hit me up on Twitter or email me at tom at ymsidekick.com. All right, heroes, well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And until next time, have a great one.